0: advice to strengthen your fundraising in 2022. Hi, I'm Bill Stanjakovic. Welcome to the first day from the Fundraising School. And I'm joined today by my colleague, Eric Daubert. Eric is a longtime member of the faculty at the Fundraising School, a highly sought after consultant across the United States and across the world uh, by fundraisers and nonprofits. And he also is heavily involved with the Fundraising Effectiveness Project. And Eric, the uh, way to describe you takes up the length of this podcast. You're so well accomplished. Thanks for coming back.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me, Bill. It's a pleasure to talk with you about the exciting things we have to look forward to in 2022.
0: Now, I know in these many roles that I described, some uh, of your advice and guidance come from the research and the data that you help collect and analyze. Also, your frontline work as a consultant and as you teach for us for the fundraising school. What advice do you have for fundraisers here in 2022?
1: Yeah, great question. And, you know, Bill, it's funny. And I always say in a room full of researchers, I'm a fundraiser and in a room full of fundraisers, I'm a researcher. So I, I do try to step in a lot of those different spaces. And, and my perspectives come from a lot of those uh, areas that I play in. So, again, thanks for having me. As I look at 2022, the first thing I think of is, you know, nonprofits need to find their footing, uh, reestablish their new normal, figure out what their um, their next great fundraising looks like. Uh, I'm seeing a lot of organizations trying to figure out how to deal with the hybrid workplace. I'm seeing a lot of nonprofits trying to deal with the great resignation, uh, which has certainly affected nonprofits as some employees have moved to other pastures, not necessarily greener ones, uh, to find new employment opportunities. So my first counsel, you know, with nonprofits in 2022 is, you know, get your house in order. Establish your new normal. Figure out who your first team is in fundraising, whether that's your single development officer in a one-person shop, or maybe you're an executive director who's uh, doing fundraising part-time, or a person with a a more sophisticated multi-person shop. Whatever your fundraising means for 2022, get your team in order. Uh, Make sure that you're retaining your best people. Uh, A lot of a lot of fundraisers are moving from place to place because of better uh, job opportunities, better work situations. Know that it's not all about money. So my first counsel is, you know, get your own house in order and be ready to fundraise. Now, Bill, you ask about what I'm seeing for 2022. I'm seeing a lot of exciting things happening in fundraising. Uh, First off, I'm seeing a focus on retention, not just of employees, but of donors. Mm -hmm. Uh, The donors we have, I think, more and more nonprofits are recognizing that they are uh, valuable uh, commodities, uh, valuable people, valuable institutions, uh, to be really treasured. Uh, And that means engaging with your donors, communicating with them throughout the year. Um, I'm working in, in working with my clients. One of the things I'm trying to do is get them to focus on donor retention through the year. I'll give you one example. If you think about your inbox in December. Uh, and think about how many nonprofit emails you got in December. And now look at your email box in January and think about how many nonprofit emails you're getting in January. And I promise you, the number will be greatly reduced. So I share that with you. Now's the time to be in touch with your donors, increase communication, um, increase engagement, because you might be the only person talking. Uh, and that might just give you a loud voice at the table. So those are some things that I'm seeing kind of out of the gate.
0: You know, Eric, to go back to the fundraising staff. Uh, We really do need to pour into our people. As you said, with the great resignation, we're seeing, uh, you know, just record numbers of folks changing jobs and not necessarily leaving the workforce, but changing for other jobs. And for those of us who are leading fundraising teams, uh, we should always be close to our workforce and now more than ever.
1: Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And, you know, one of the things that I I so enjoy about working with the fundraising school is that as the workforce has adapted, so has the fundraising school. You know, again, offering educational programs in person, virtual live, async. Uh, So, you know, if you want to do a class at three in the morning or you want to do a class at uh, six in the afternoon or with a live person or with uh, a video, you can find a way to do it. So that's just one example of how the business sector, aka Indiana University and the fundraising school, is adapting to these new uh, needs in our nonprofit sector for things like training and development. So nonprofits need to be adapting as well, um, whether that's to local pay scales or benefit packages or uh, paid time off or hybrid workplace. There's so many ways to make employees feel valued. And again, your best people, it pays to keep them. Uh, Research from places like the Association of Healthcare Philanthropy shows that the longer retained fundraisers produce more uh, fundraising revenue for nonprofits than new ones. Um, Groups like, you know, various management associations have shown that it takes a long time to get an employee up to speed and it takes new investment uh, to get new employees up to speed. So long story short, if you've got great people, keep them. Um, And if you don't have great people, go find them because now's the time in the Great Resignation.
0: And you also talked about maintaining relationships with donors, and as we look ahead throughout 2022, some of the questions we uh, hear about are, will donors have COVID fatigue, and will that affect their charitable giving decisions in 2022? And what about this whole huge move to digital? Uh, Are people going to want to be more comfortable to come back in person? Are my special events still going to need to be online, or a little bit of both? Again, what are some of these trends that you're seeing, Eric, as you do your work as a fundraiser, as a consultant, as you teach for the fundraising school, as well as, again, your involvement with the Fundraising Effectiveness Project?
1: Yeah, I think, I think again, that's a great question and a multifaceted one. So, you know, the first thing we teach at the fundraising school is know your constituency, uh, you know, understand your audiences, understand who it is you serve in your nonprofit community, but also who your donors are. And I think that the answer to how to engage your donors differs from population to population. So for example, let's just pick one that's been a a real challenge for nonprofits, I think today is millennials. Um, Oh, you know, I I like to say millennials are now adulting. Like this is the year where a lot of millennials started adulting. They, you know, they bought their first house or they're moving out of their parents' basement and they're actually starting to become a full-fledged functioning adult for a variety of economic reasons. So that being said, you know, if you haven't engaged with millennials yet, uh, millennials like to engage digitally. Um, I've been doing some coaching mentoring with a millennial. Uh, and uh, you know, when I ask them what the, what the most effective way to fundraise is, um, they'll say things like uh, text or uh, send an email. And I go, no, actually, it's face-to-face. And they're they're somewhat stunned by that. So I say that because millennials may communicate in a different way than traditional donor bases, but whatever donor you're trying to touch, you need to be finding a way to engage with them personally and as personally as possible uh, because that generates the best fundraising return on investment when you can. Now, again, to go to another facet of your question, when you can't engage with people uh, as personally as possible, then we obviously need to leverage technology Um, to the betterment of our organizations. So, you know, do you have a good functioning CRM? There's lots of them on the market uh, in in a variety of price ranges. You can go find one. If you've been using Excel for a long time, maybe this is the year to make that switch. Um, If you are using a CRM, meaning a, a donor database, make sure that you're getting the most out of it. Uh, by working with your company, whoever that is, to make sure that you get the reports and things that you need so you can engage with donors in a broad, uh, faceted way while still making the donor feel personally engaged. Uh, when my name is spelled properly in an email, I, I'm more likely to read it than a dear friend or a dear whoever. Um, and those are the types of things we can do as nonprofits to make sure we're engaging with our constituencies as well as possible. Events, you have to get more creative than ever. Uh, you know, it's its interesting to think that Omicron may be fading, I am not an epidemiologist, so I can't tell you what's going to happen in the pandemic, but I will say this to you, an interesting uh, recent news poll showed that uh, local people in their communities trust people closest to them for information that matters more than kind of the powers that be. So I'll give you some examples. Uh, People trust their employers and schools more than they trust the CDC right now on uh, COVID uh, information in the United States. So, you know, if they're trusting their employer, if they're trusting their school, why not your nonprofit? If you're in front and you're engaging and you say, you know, hey, we're going to make a safe event and do X, Y, Z, they're likely to trust you. So obviously use that responsibility and power uh, with integrity, but uh, use that uh, relationship to really build a true and authentic relationship with your donors and, and good things will happen in 2022
0: couple data points. You mentioned millennials. People think about the hot housing market in the United States. About two-thirds of the mortgages for house purchasing, not the refinancing, but the house purchasing were by millennials buying that first house. And about one-third of millennials in the last 18 months have drafted a will for the first time. And so again, as Eric mentioned, some of these signs of some changing behaviors for millennials that can be associated, correlated with charitable giving. And also I had asked Eric about uh, digital fundraising. So Eric, you know, kind of one of these leading edge topics now is cryptocurrency, right? As uh, you know, we had Giving Tuesday at the end of 2021 raised about $2.7 billion. For the first time we had Giving Crypto Tuesday, it raised about $10 million. And before anybody scoffs at that difference, the very first year of Giving Tuesday, about 10 years ago, raised $10 million. Is crypto a fad or is this something fundraisers need to start learning about?
1: Yeah, I think the answer is still yet to be determined. But my answer is certainly the fundraisers need to start learning about it. Um, you know, whether you're looking at working with companies like the Giving Block or, um, you know, Crypto for Charity, which I believe is the new platform from freewill.org. Um, you know, there are a variety of crypto platforms that you can uh, work with. And again, our goal should be to, where, to be where donors want to give. If donors want to give a stock gift, we want to be able to receive it. If donors want to give cash, we want to be able to receive it. If donors want to give crypto, we want to be able to receive it. Now, that being said, you know, a personal opinion here, Bill, uh, I'm, you know, I'm cautious as a crypto investor. Uh, So if I were to accept cryptocurrency as a nonprofit, I'd, you know, I'd have a a policy for moving that uh, currency in appropriate ways uh, as a nonprofit organization. So your organization has to decide, do you want to have the same policies you do with stock? For example, many nonprofits sell stock the day it comes in uh, and have an account managed to set that up. You know, should you be doing the same thing with crypto? It's certainly worth looking into and certainly worth a good conversation. So, yeah, great topics.
0: Then another question we're getting a lot is the inflation rate. Highest inflation rate in the United States in the last 40 years. Our fundraising audience around the world very likely facing you know, relatively high inflation rates uh, compared to the last three or four decades. You know, Eric, what advice do you have for fundraisers as we're seeing these, uh, you know, again, relatively high inflation rates compared to 30, 40 years ago?
1: Yeah, I think inflation does a, a number of things. One is, is it can make major donors nervous. Uh, as their buying power diminishes. So there's one facet of of, uh, inflation that can be concerning. Um, Another facet of inflation obviously is people on the ground who are trying to buy bread and and meat for their family dinner uh, may not be able to afford that anymore. So what I would say is it's kind of a double-edged sword. It makes our cases stronger. Um, It makes our case, uh, many of our missions, uh, the need for our work is often ramped up in times of greater inflation. Six out of 10 Americans in a recent study said that their family income is not keeping up with the cost of living. Six out of 10. So, obviously, those six out of 10 donors may feel a bit more squeezed uh, to give a gift than maybe they have before. Using uh, strategies like monthly giving uh, can be a great way to work with donors like that, for example. I think some of our wealthier wealthier donors, um, and by the way, the top 10 richest men in the world um, doubled their net worth in the first two years of the pandemic. Mm. Um, you know, if you look at the S&P 500 and the various stock indexes, obviously they exploded last year. Uh, if you look at them this year, they're taking some bumps uh, and some hits, if you will. So there's been a little, bit, a little bit of a correction, if you will, in the market. So that being said, approach major donors, understanding that they may in the moment be having a little bit of what I call psychic poverty, meaning that they're still a lot, a lot richer than they were two years ago. Uh, but they may be, their wallets may be feeling dented in the moment. So, um, you know, I think we're going to have to work with inflation from both sides of that story. Um, And that means working with your major donors on a giving schedule that makes sense for them uh, and the great gifts that they can give uh, and uh, and working with the the need in your community to address the, the challenges faced by inflation. So, again, thanks for that question, Bill. And,
0: of course, it'll be important when nonprofits create their next budget. A lot of folks are doing their budget July 1 to June 30th. But even if your fiscal year is different, to make sure you're taking inflation into account on the expense side, which then can be reflected in your fundraising goals moving forward. Eric, as we conclude, any advice, any other advice, final advice that you have for fundraising?
1: Yeah, I I think there's going to be a lot of dynamic things happening in the nonprofit fundraising landscape for 2022. Uh, There's going to be a lot of capital campaigns on the horizon. I think planned giving, as you mentioned, Bill, is going to be more of a discussion than ever. So be a part of that discussion. I think foundation giving is is going to be robust given the the past returns we've seen in the market. Um, So, you know, long story short, learn about fundraising opportunities uh, that are available to your nonprofit organization and make the most of them in, in 2022 while getting your house in order and being prepared to leap forward into the future for another great year.
0: Well, from this podcast, our audience can see and hear why Eric Daubert is a highly sought after fundraising consultant nationally and around the world, and uh, the expertise that he gives to and gleans from the fundraising Effectiveness of this project, and why he is a highly effective teacher for us here at the Fundraising School, where you can learn about our public courses, which are in person in a growing number of U.S. cities. They're also available online, either recorded or live. Eric teaches in all three formats for us. Uh, And those public courses are available uh, in the United States and especially online across the world. You can also tap into us for custom training where we can design training, especially for your nonprofit, your region, your association. We have quarterly webinars. And of course, these free podcasts that come out each Monday. The information is available on our website at philanthropy.iupui.edu forward slash the fundraising school. Our guest today is Eric Daubert, Our producers today are Jennifer Boffin and Mike Anthony. I'm Bill Stanjakovic, and now you are now more fully informed on this first day from the fundraising school.